0: I'm excited and fearful about today's message. I told you guys last week that we started this series of dangerous prayers. And in this series, when you pray these dangerous prayers, they are hard prayers, they're difficult prayers, they challenge us. And maybe one of these messages might become a... um, an anchor message in your life. And what I mean by an anchor message is that it's that one thing that you can go back to that you remember that you hold on to and say that's a time that God really spoke to me. I'm not naive enough to think that every time I get up here and speak a message that it's going to be earth shattering that it's going to affect everybody the same way because what I, I, I leave here sometimes, and I'll walk away from the pulpit, and I'll walk, and, and Jennifer can attest to this, I'll think that was the most God-awful thing I've ever spoke in my life. And usually when I think that, somebody will come up to me and say, man, that was the best message you've ever spoke. And I'll think, were you in the same room as me? Because I'm not sure that we were talking the same language. But the cool thing is, is that God can take any message and it speaks to us at different times in different places. Um, Rob and I went to the men's conference this weekend, and, and I know we sat in the same room, but I know that God spoke to us differently. and was challenged this weekend. It was, it was exciting to be at the Compel Men's Conference. It's going to be a yearly thing. I'm excited for next year. But week two of the dangerous prayers. Last week we talked about search me. And I personally love that message, Search Me, because it's challenged me this week. Because we were praying that prayer that David prayed that said, Search my heart, O God. Know my anxious thoughts. And lead me into everlasting life. That idea of saying, okay, God, I don't want to hide anything to you, from you. He knows it all, but we, we realize that. But sometimes we put up barriers and roadblocks and we don't let God work in our lives. And just say, search me, God. That's big. See, today we're going to dig a little bit deeper. And this is a message that quite honestly, some of you are going to say, I can't pray that prayer. And that's Okay. This isn't a salvation-defining moment that's like, if I don't pray this prayer, I'm not going to be in right relationship with God. But what this prayer is, is something that if we are brave enough and courageous enough to pray this prayer, God will change us and meet us in a place that will take us to a new level in our relationship with Him. Last week was search me. This week is break me. How many want to be broken? Anybody anybody sign up to be broken? I think that's like awesome. You know, you put that out on the sign out on the road and you wait for the people to come in. Hey, we're going to talk about breaking you today. It's a dangerous prayer to say, God, break me. It's not a popular thing. Think about this, and and it's a big... A big thing in church is we like to talk about the, the scriptures and give messages that are encouraging, and that's perfect. We, we should be encouraging each other. We, we like to pray those prayers. If you remember, there's a, a book called The Prayer of Jabez, and, and I've got the book on my bookshelf, a great book, but that prayer was all about, God, expand my territory and bless me. We like to pray those prayers, don't we? God, expand my territory and bless me. And there's nothing wrong with that prayer. God does want to bless us. He does want to multiply things in our lives. I think that when we learn that, that principle of first fruits, that God's blessings will pour into our lives. But that prayer is a safe prayer. When we wake up in the morning and we say, God, bless me today, that's a safe prayer. A dangerous prayer is, okay, God, search my heart. Find those anxious thoughts. Find those things that I fear. Now I want you to break me, God. That's a dangerous prayer. That's a difficult prayer. It's not a popular prayer. It um, probably doesn't sell books. It probably won't. You know, it's hard. If you've ever been broken, you know... That at those broken places God can do some incredible things. At those broken times in our lives, if we can yield our lives to God at that place, that God can mold us and change us. We've talked about that, you know, we, we talk about it in culture a lot, you know, that person finally hit what? Rock bottom, right? Those are the broken places. But see, when something's broken, there's two things that can happen. One, it can be given to God and taken and molded into what it needs to be. Or it can just be left alone or given to the wrong thing and it only gets worse. It's magnified. So if you were to break your arm, just as an example... If you're to break a bone, if you go to the doctor and the doctor sets that bone properly, do you know that when that bone heals, it's stronger than it was before it was broken? Medical fact, I don't know exactly. I know calcium and all these things build up around it, and it, it's almost impossible to break a bone in the exact same spot twice. I won't say it's impossible, but it, it's really difficult to do. But if you break that arm and you don't go get it set, it's going to be almost useless. So when we come to these broken places in our lives, the place that we need to go to is God. We need to go to His Word. We need to go to the people that can pray for us and love us and help us through those situations so that we can be molded and made into the image of God so that we can be at a place where God can use us. I think we go through different moments and different times in our lives where we get close to being broken. We go through some difficult things and god it's those moments that God does things in our lives. If you've ever read James, he tells us to count it pure joy when, when we go through trials of many kinds. How many of you just like, think, yeah, God, I'm going through something. I lost my job. Praise God. Totaled my car last weekend. Awesome. Praise God. James understood this principle that when we go through these difficult things, it's opportunities for God to do more in us and through us. I want you to jump over today. It's going to be a little bit different kind of flow message. I don't have three points. I don't have you know, that defining thing. And I know that will drive some of you crazy. And I'm sorry. It's just a little bit different kind of a message. It won't be as long. I know some of you are celebrating that right now. But I want you to look at Mark chapter 14 for a minute. We're going to look at two stories out of Mark chapter 14 today. That would be one basic point. But we're going to look at the story of... um, Well, let's just start there. Let's look at verse 3. It says, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon. A man who had previously had leprosy, other uh, accounts, this is is one of those stories that's in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It says Simon was a Pharisee as well, but he was previously had leprosy and Jesus was in his home. He had been healed of leprosy. And while he was eating, a woman came in with an alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. She broke it open, or broke open the jar and poured the perfume over Jesus' head. Now, to us, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But this perfume, it says that the cost of this perfume was equal to a laborer's yearly wage. So I say labor. I'm going to say an average person's yearly wage. It was, it was, it was worth 300 denarii. A denarii is what you got for a day's worth of work. There's... 365 days, so it was about a year's worth, this jar of perfume. Anybody own, you know, a several thousand dollar bottle of perfume? If you do, please don't pour it over my head. I I get the biblical reference, but I don't want to smell like that forever. But this lady, so she comes in, and she busted. And what we know about this lady, because each of the accounts tell us a little bit different about her. Her name was Mary. Some of you know of Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was a prostitute that, was, that actually had seven demons cast out of her, it tells us in Scripture. But I don't want to focus necessarily on that. She had been healed of much. She had been forgiven of much. But Jesus treated her a little bit different. See, Mary was a prostitute. And there was a couple things that we need to understand about that as a prostitute in that age. It wasn't... It still wasn't your like, prime job occupation. Nobody woke up and said, we're going to groom our child for this line of work. For the woman, it carried a lot of shame. The only way a woman would really get into that is if they found themselves in a situation where they had no other choice. Maybe they were a widow. Maybe they, you know, something happened in their life that led them in a place, in a culture, that there wasn't a lot of opportunity for a woman to make... A living, she might have found herself in a situation where she had to turn to prostitution and it was a place of shame. Now, the story behind some of this perfume is that most women didn't own perfume in that age. You know, it wasn't a common thing. Only the very wealthy owned perfume and prostitutes owned perfume because it was almost like a business card. Because most women didn't have perfume. If you passed somebody on the street that did have perfume, it kind of alerted you that that person was somebody that might be offering those kind of services. It's almost like a business card. It's kind of a weird business card, but it's almost like a business card. And see, for a woman that was in prostitution, she was looked down shamefully by the other women in the culture, and for men, they looked at it as an object of something to use. That's not a great way to live your life, is it? On one hand, you're shamed and kind of the scourge. And on the other hand, the only people that want to be near you are people that want to use you and abuse you. In our modern culture, we call it human trafficking. We call it prostitution. We call it a lot of different things. But nobody wants to live that way. And so most men in Mary's life treated her as an object. And even in that culture, women were treated a little differently than they even are in our culture today. But she was treated as an object. But Jesus treated her with respect. And dignity. And brought healing into her life. And so the only thing that she could do was take this jar of perfume and come in and break it and pour it over his head and get down on her knees and wipe his feet with her hair. Place of humility, place of brokenness. See, the people that were in the room freaked out by this. Look at verses 4 and 5. It says, Some of those that were at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they ask. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. They didn't understand the depth of her gift. And I don't know about you, I might have been the person yelling, Wait, what? Why did you just break that? Why did you just do that? Man, that could have funded the church for the next year. I might have been the person screaming that. We can't get on to the people that yelled that. They were disciples. We would have probably done the same thing. So that wasn't it. They just didn't understand what this meant to her. And I've got this in your notes. It says, her gift represents her past. Her gift represents that sinful life that she was leaving behind. Think about this. If that was her calling card, she's saying, look, I am giving up that life. I am breaking this. I am putting what gives me business. And I'm giving it to you, Jesus. I'm saying thank you for this. I'm leaving that past behind. But here's the other side of that. Her gift also represented her future because if you've got an entire year's wage that you just gave away, she could have sold that and lived for the next year, not having to be a prostitute, but lived on the wages that were there. She was all in. She said, okay, God, I am done with all of this. I'm trusting you with this. I'm broken. I've come to a place of healing. And I'm giving you everything I have. So she took the jar and she broke it and poured it out. I want you to get those two words. It was broken, and it was poured out. Think about that for a minute. It was broken and poured out. Some of you, a few years ago, we did this study as a church with some of the leaders, and Mark Batterson wrote a book called All In. And and in that book, All In, he tells the story of missionaries. And, I, and I'm paraphrasing this. I didn't go look it up. I just remember the story. So the story of missionaries in the book, All In, that were getting ready to go overseas to be mission, missionaries. Rob and I got to take a missionary out to lunch yesterday, just kind of by chance, and i um, real excited about that. But these guys that were going to be missionaries, you know what they did before they left? They built coffins. They built coffins for themselves and packed everything that they owned in the coffin and put it in the ship and sailed away. You know why they did that? Because they never intended to return. You know what happened when they got there? They pulled this, the, the coffin out of the boat and then they turned around and they lit the ship on fire and said, we're not returning. See, as long as they had a way back, they could always leave. Leave. And they said, God, you called us here. We're here until the day we die because this is the, what you've called us to. So we're burning the ships. We made provision for the time that we end our lives because they knew that very well they could lose their life for preaching the gospel in the lands that they went to. That's commitment, isn't it? That's what Mary was doing when she broke that perfume and anointed Jesus. Now, there was a lot more to it in Jesus you know, goes into that a little bit later on a spiritual side that Mary didn't even recognize that she was doing, that that it represented for Jesus. But for her, she was breaking that jar and pouring it over Jesus and saying, I'm all in. My life is no longer my own. I'm done. I tell people all the time that when Jennifer and I came here and we... Decided that, that God was going to plan a church and he led us to this. And, and this is a journey that really was birthed almost 20 years ago. If you look at that, I know we haven't had the church that long, but the idea of this church birthed 20 years ago and we moved here and we were here seven years before God even let us start it and we moved here with the intention of doing it. And we moved into Kennesaw about two miles from where we are right now because we wanted to be in the heart of Kennesaw because that was our passion is to serve the city of Kennesaw. And I tell people all the time, we have no exit plan. We're all in. No matter what it looks like, We'll make changes as we need to. We'll follow where God leads us. But unless God comes and tells us that it's time to move on, this is where we're at. We're all in. So I get that. I understand that analogy. And I hope you understand what Mary did. She was giving everything that she had, both her past and her future to God and saying, it's yours. I am your child now. You've saved me from so much. Do what you want to with me. No exit plan. I'm all in. Look at Jesus' response, verses 6 through 9. It says, But Jesus replied, Leave her alone. Who criti- Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time, I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Her response to this day, I'm obviously living proof of this today. We are talking about Mary Magdalene and what she did at that moment. It's recorded throughout history. 2,000 years later, more than 2,000 years later, her actions and her deeds are written in Scripture. There are several places in Scripture where God used prostitutes and changed lives through what people that we would normally scorn and throw away, God can redeem all people. He can take the most broken of us. And actually some of the most broken of us become some of the greatest among us in the kingdom of God. Now let's look a little further. Go down to about verse 22. I'm going to shift gears for just a minute. Shift gears for just a minute. Same chapter recorded by Mark. Because this was done. Remember, Jesus just told the disciples that she's doing this to prepare me for burial. They still hadn't quite got it yet at this point. And you know, we spent a year going through the book of Mark. I didn't preach exactly this way when we came to these passages earlier, but... It just shows you that when we read through Scripture, there's a lot of different things that we can take out of that. But Jesus just said, look, she's preparing me for burial. I'm coming to the end of my life. We're going to be in a few weeks at Easter. These things, we're getting really close. We're a month away from Easter. But He's at this place, and He's got His disciples around Him, and she is just anointed Him with oil and all this stuff. And now... They're at the place where they're eating the Passover meal and, and, and Jesus had just talked to Judas and said that somebody was going to betray Him and all that stuff. And it says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then He broke it into pieces and gave it to His disciples saying, take it, for this is My body. And He took the cup of wine and He gave thanks for it, to God for it and He gave it to them. And they drank from it and He said to them, this is My blood, which confirms the covenant between God and His people and it is poured out as a sacrifice for many. Did you get the two words in there? And I, and I don't know if you caught it. There are two very distinct words. Think about what Mary did with the jar of oil. She did what? She broke it and then she poured it out over Jesus. Now think about what Jesus did with the bread. He broke it. It represents what? His body. He took this blood. And he took the cup and He poured it because His blood was poured out for us. Jesus was broken and poured out for us. That's what Jesus did. He was broken and poured out. In Luke twenty-two nineteen, it says, He took the bread and He gave thanks for it and then He broke it into pieces and He gave thanks to the disciples saying, This is my body which is given to you. Do this in remembrance for me. Now, most scholars are going to talk about that he's talking about doing communion. Every time you get together and you break bread together and you drink together, that you are to remember what Christ did for you. But some scholars believe that they even took it a little bit further, that when he says do this, he's saying do this yourselves, to be broken and poured out. Again, not a popular message. But our lives are to be broken and poured out for God. This is when God can use us the most. When we come to a place where we have nothing left but just Him. And we're broken. And we say, God, break me and do something with me. Do whatever you want to with me. See, it's out of those places of brokenness in our lives where God can do far more with us than we ever thought of. I like, to think of, I like to think about it in the terms of marriages. I can think of some pretty broken places in marriages. Maybe there's been affairs and things like that. And I've seen people who when properly dealing with an affair in a marriage, their marriage came back stronger than it was before. Now, I'm not saying if you want to strengthen your marriage to go have an affair and then work on it, that's not you know, probably the best plan. But God can take those broken places and turn it into something Far greater. And when those it's out of those broken places that God gives us the ability to speak into other people's lives. It's out of those broken places that we can speak the truth of who Jesus is. Jesus was eating with his disciples, and he took that bread and he told them, This is my body, it's broken for you. And we when we take the communion and we look at the broken body of Christ, we think about the times that he was beaten. And he's put up there on the cross and all of that brokenness that his body went through for our sin. You know, Jesus didn't want to be broken any more than we did. You realize that? I talked about this last year. What did he pray in Gethsemane? He said, God, please take this cup from me. I don't want to do this. Then he prayed, but not my will, your will be done. Nobody wants to be broken. Jesus didn't want to be broken in that way. But it was necessary. His blood was poured out for our sins. It's been poured out for everybody. See, we can come and impress people with our strengths. I believe I've got this in your notes as well. We can impress people with our strengths. But we connect with people through our brokenness. You know, you can see those people that seem to have it all together. And... You could take it whether it's somebody in Hollywood, somebody that, that's on the music scene, or maybe it's a pastor, some other leader, and we see them up there, and we always see the shiny moments in their lives, and we put them up there, and we envy them, and we think about, man, how that, how great is it for them there? But we're not connected to them. But when we find out how they've went through the broken process to get to where they are, we can connect to them. I love sports. You guys know I love motocross. And over the years I've I've listened to some different things where you see kind of the behind the scenes stuff of what it takes to get there and the sacrifices that most of the people make to be professional athletes is mind numbing. They come to a place where they go through such pain and such brokenness in their bodies to get to a place where they can be trained and ready to go do what they're doing. Why would it be any different for us as Christians? If we really want to be used by God, we're going to go through some trials and pain. The Word tells us that we're going to be persecuted, that we're going to go through trials, that we're going to go through struggles. That's why James said, count it pure joy when you go through trials of many kinds. because that's when God's going to grow you. That's when God's going to stretch you. That's when God's going to make you into the person he's calling you to be. And I know I didn't put James in in your notes, but I want to quote that accurately and it's out of James chapter 1. Verse two it says, "Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I want to throw something out there to you. We went through this root series, kind of part of the theme that we have for this year, these growing deep roots. When we go through these broken places, when we go through these places of trial, if you've got your roots dug down into Christ, there's two things that are going to happen, especially if you're involved in a church. One, you're not going to be pulled out because your roots are intertwined with the people that are around you. They're not going to let you get pulled out. And two, think about the droughts and the things that have happened. When there's a drought that happens... Plants naturally dig their roots down deeper to find more nutrients. When we are going through these broken places and these places of struggle and trial, when we pray these prayers of God, break me, what's going to happen is is we're going to turn our roots deeper into Christ. And He's going to be able to do more into us if we allow Him to. So our culture will tell us that when things get hard, turn to alcohol, turn to drugs, turn to things to numb the pain, to, to dull it. But it's not really a solution. You could list a myriad of addictions out there that people use to mask the pain and brokenness that they're going through. But if we as Christians and, and, and can model that when we go through these deep and dark places in our lives, when we go through these places of brokenness, how God can flourish out of us fruit that we never imagined. We're going to go through broken places. I guarantee it. I told you that this series was based on a book by Craig Groeschel called Dangerous Prayers. The graphic that we have is the cover of that book. And in that book, he was talking about planning their church, and his mentor told him one thing. He goes, I have one promise for you. And Craig was excited. He thought it was going to be, you know, you're going to be a large church. You're going to have all these great things happen. And his one promise was, you will be broken. God's going to break you. So when you sign up to plan a church, and they say, hey, you will be broken through this process, how many of you want to keep signing that line and say, yeah, send me? But we're all going to go through those broken places. As Christians, the world's watching us. And when we go through those broken and dark times, they're waiting to see how we deal with it. They're waiting to see if we can live out James 1, that we can count it pure joy because we know that our faith is growing and being tested. That doesn't mean that we're fake and we, we, uh, we walk around with big smiles on our face and and we tell everybody that we're just the perfect little people and that everything's rosy. It's okay to be hurting. It's okay to be broken. It's okay to show emotion. Man, Jesus cried. He wept. He wept and sweat so hard in praying in the garden that it was that, that blood vessels actually broke and he sweat tears of blood. How crazy is that? But it's in those broken places that God can take our lives and that He can shape us into what He's called us to be and that we can become the people that He wants us to be. So I want to challenge you in this. To pray a prayer that says, God, break me. That's a hard prayer. And I'm I'm going to say, don't take this lightly. And you're not on the way to hell if you don't pray this prayer. This isn't a message about beating you down and saying, hey, if you don't pray this, if you don't want this, then then God has nothing to do with you. But what I do have is a promise to you that if you will pray that prayer on the other side of that brokenness god can use you and maybe you've gone through those places of brokenness already and you understand the purpose of this and you already know what god's done in your life because you've come out of that broken place i think there's many different breaking points in our lives not all of us are going to go through the same things but it's out of those broken places That God changes us and heals us. I can think of story after story of pastor and missionary after missionary that went through broken places. There's a pastor by the name of John Eldred, pastors a church in Springfield, Missouri. Wrote a book recently. I connected with John because of church planning before. Uh, we're acquaintances, not friends. I wish I wish I knew him a little bit better. But we'd met each other several years ago. We we're talking about planting churches, and John was in prison for drugs, and I think he had uh, like almost killed somebody. I don't remember all the details of his story, but while he was in prison, in a very dark place of his life, he found Jesus. And he wrote a book called um, My Prison Became My Palace. And he tells his testimony of how he found Christ in the prison. And now he's pastoring a church, Freedom Church there in Springfield that serves hundreds of people. And on his sign it says, Welcome junkies, drug addicts, and felons. And he goes into the prisons and he goes into the dark places and he says, Come. Because out of his brokenness, he connects with the people that are broken. And he has an opportunity to speak into their lives. But it's not just the wisdom that he has, it's the answer that he has in Christ because they can see what Christ has done in him. We're all broken different levels and in different places were broken and poured out. Mary broke the jar, poured it out on Jesus. She did not hold back a single drop. She could have poured you know, even a quarter of it and saved three quarters of a year of salary and accomplished the anointing. She didn't, she, she broke the jar. There was no returning after that. Can't take it back. You ever purchase something from the store and you go, especially like Walmart? Oh, Walmart will take it back. You know, I think it's REI, you can buy the shoes, wear them for a year and if you don't like them for any reason, take them back and they'll give you a prorated credit for it. it takes the risk out when you know you could take it back, doesn't it? But when you buy that thing and you know there's no return in it, you value it a little bit differently. She gave everything she had. Think about what Jesus did. He gave us everything, didn't He? His body and His blood. So on your little notes there, there's some questions. So as we wrap up the service today, I just want us to look at those questions. I want you to pray. Look, there's no judgment here. If you can't pray that prayer, I understand. Nobody, None of us sign up to be broken. But is there something you're holding back from God? Is there something that stands in the way of your relationship with God? Some of us, we hold back our finances because we we don't quite trust God in our finances the way we do. Some of us, we hold back our time hold back our emotions we hold back the deep dark places in our lives because we're afraid that if if God really saw the thoughts that we had if He really saw the darkness that's in our hearts that he wouldn't want us anymore but the truth is God already sees those things and he wants us and he loves us and he cares for us and he poured out his blood and his life for us either way So, there's no fear of being rejected because God isn't going to reject us. So, I just want to simply give a few minutes today as you reflect on those questions and reflect in those places to spend some time in prayer. And know this. that Jennifer and I as your pastors most of you as friends we love and care for you so much that we will walk with you through any brokenness because we've been broken we've went through hard things to see you grow and become what Jesus wants you to be so just for the next few minutes if you can just be in an attitude of prayer if you need prayer if you want us to pray with you feel free to just let us know and we'll pray with you it's a hard message